You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, certainly not the kind of effort I think a lot of Penn State fans were hoping for, but history was made Saturday evening, Saturday afternoon in Beaver Stadium as Penn State for the first time in program history falls to 0-5 to start the year. Hi everybody, I'm Kevin McGuire here for Locked On Nittany Lions. It is your daily Penn State podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is our live Twitch stream post-game show reacting to everything that just happened over the last few hours in Happy Valley as Penn State comes up well short of their first win of the season. Iowa getting a 41-21 victory against the Nittany Lions. Again, First time in program history for Penn State, starting off 0-5. Penn State uh, now is heading on the road next week, where they will continue their search for their first winning season. That will be against the Michigan Wolverines. 0-6 is a very real possibility. I kind of floated that idea a couple weeks ago as Penn State continued to struggle. And certainly last week as they were really having their issues against Nebraska. And we saw once again, this is a Penn State team that cannot start games very well. Whatever the reason may be, do they play better in the second half? Yeah, but marginally today, not a whole lot better. I'm going to turn the music down as we bring you in to the Locked On Nittany Lions post-game stream here on Twitch. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for joining me this afternoon, this evening, wherever the case may be for you. And, of course, this will be archived in our podcast feed. So if you are a podcast subscriber to Locked On Nittany Lions, you will get this as an episode uh, at some point, either late tonight, early tomorrow. If you want to go back and relish and or relive the the misfortune that was Penn State's 41 to 21 loss against the Iowa Hawkeyes, you are more than free to do so. But of course, we also have ongoing Penn State coverage on the podcast. Again, Locked On Nittany Lions. It's a podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can get it on all of your favorite podcasting apps. Apple, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, whatever they call it now, a Google Podcasts, Spotify, a Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, whatever you use to listen to podcasts, you can also check them all out right down, oh, I'm sorry, right over here, right down here. Uh, the podcast is available on all these services, and again, some more, so if you find uh, whatever service works for you, whichever one you prefer, if you want to give a subscription to the Locked On Podcast, Locked On Nittany Lions Podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. Ratings and reviews, always welcome and appreciated as well. Uh, of course, you can also follow us on our various social media feeds. Odds are you're probably already following us on Twitter, but if not, we're on Twitter at Locked on Nittany. You can also check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Locked on Nittany. And of course, this is our Twitch channel, so go ahead and give it a follow if you enjoy this kind of content, and maybe we'll do some more of this moving forward. That's the plan. <laughs> of course, we're hoping to have some happier moments, I think, moving forward as Penn State continues through whatever the second half of this season is going to be. So a couple things that we will get out of the way here on this live post-game stream. First of all, you are always free to hop in the chat and send in your questions, send in your comments. I know there's probably a lot of angst out there right now following yet another loss. And I've I've seen a bunch of it on Twitter. But if you want to bring it in onto the Twitch chat, you are more than welcome to do so. Come and vent and uh, get something off your chest if you have to, because now is a good time for that. Uh, but here's the, the main takeaway I have from this game. And this feels like it's been a recurring theme. Penn State just does not start games very well. Okay. There's going to be a lot of talk about the quarterback situation. I get it. Uh, the defense, once again, very porous <laughs> from start to finish, if we're being honest. Running game, basically non existent. But the start of the game 
is when Penn State is at their worst. And I know they had a lead. They, they had a what, seven to three lead early on. And then Iowa goes on a 28 something run, whatever the case may be. Uh, that is just unacceptable at this point. We can do away with the, ex, you know, I keep saying excuse of the COVID pandemic. I do think it is a very real issue that is really impacting Penn State in ways that I don't think anybody could have possibly prepared for. But at the same time, there are other programs just within the Big Ten that are not having similar setbacks. Now, I get that Penn State is without Micah Parsons, who opted out. You know, they didn't have Journey Brown because of his medical condition, realized just before the start of the season. No Kane goes down basically when the season gets started. Uh, you were out of uh, Pat Fire move today, which was a unfortunate development for Penn State. Uh, Brandon Smith got banged up, but I, you know he came back into the game. Penn State has had to deal some with some injury issues. I get it, but the fact that this team is not prepared, in my mind, they're not prepared to execute from the start of a football game, is just unfathomable to me. And it's not just the offense. It's not just the defense. It's both sides of the football. So there's something systematically failing Penn State right now as far as game prep is concerned. And I've said this a couple of times already this season. I'm going to say it again. But Penn State is just abysmal in the first half. I threw out the stat. They've been outscored in the first halves of games 117 to 33. So to me, that's not a slow starting offense issue. That's not a defense can't stop anything issue. That is a complete system failure, I think, as far as game preparation is concerned. Regardless of what's happening with your roster, regardless of what's happening with the pandemic, regardless of what's happening with injuries, there's just simply no excuse five games into the season that this is a trend that continues on a week-by-week basis. So something has to be solved there. I think if Penn State is going to have any chance of winning a football game this fall, and the way things are going, it doesn't look very promising that that is going to be the case. I'm not going to sit here. I'm not the doom and gloom guy, okay? I do like to find some optimistic outlooks whenever I can find them. I didn't find a whole lot in this game in particular. I I found none against Maryland a couple weeks ago. I said that was the worst loss of the James Franklin era. I did find a little bit more signs of life last week against Nebraska, despite another big hole. They came back. They had a chance to tie that game uh, right at the end of regulation. Obviously fell short of that. And then this week, uh, back at home against the Iowa Hawkeyes, a team that has been playing very well. Of course, we took our cap to Iowa, but I just feel as though we've gotten to a point now where we have to expect that Penn State is going to stink at the first half of the game. And Iowa took advantage of that. Went up, what, 24-7? to uh, I'm looking at the box score right now. 24-7 to at halftime was the advantage for Iowa. And once again, you're thinking, all right, that's a pretty significant hole. Can this Penn State team do anything to climb out of it? And the answer, of course, was no. <laughs> there is no way there they were going to climb out of that 17-point uh, hole, which they have been unable to do at all this season. Aside from the Indiana game, they did climb out of that hole and got that game at least to overtime, although they let that game get into overtime. But this this is a big problem that Penn State has. And I, I'm at the point now where, you know, I just kind of accept that this season is a lost cause. I mean, obviously it was a lost cause a few weeks ago uh, when you go 0-3. 0-2 is really the damper right there. But going 0-3, 0-4, and now 0-5, you've clinched the first losing season of Penn State since 2004. You've got the first 0-5 start in program history. And this is a storied program with a lot of years of history, over a century's worth of history. Uh, so going 0-5 for the first time is certainly a bad look. Are there reasons for it? Yes, absolutely. Is this an outlier to where Penn State will be as a program in years to come? I think so. And that's something we'll dive into a little bit more on the podcast throughout next week, leading up to next weekend's game against the Michigan Wolverines.
Well, it's tough being a Penn State fan these days, and you might feel a little stressed out watching your favorite team lose week in and week out, and you may be looking for a way to take the edge off a little bit, maybe chill out a little bit. Best way to do that is with Coors Light. It is the beer that is literally made to chill. It is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Again, literally made to chill. How else can you describe it? It is cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, and I think the way things are going this season, just sitting back and relaxing and soaking in the atmosphere around the Colorado Rockies might do a lot of mental good the way things are going. But of course, Coors Light wants you to find reasons to celebrate whatever's going on in your life these days. And of course, they want you to celebrate responsibly. And the best way to do that is to make sure your fridge is stocked up with Coors Light. And the best part is you don't even have to leave the house. I get it. It's just another losing season for Penn State. First time in a long time. You might be feeling a little down. You may not feel like going out. Well, you don't have to go out. All you have to do is load up your phone, go to get.coorslight.com, and you can find out how you can get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door. Coors Light is the one I choose when I want to need to unwind. So when you want to hit the reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Once again, celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Well, let's kind of react to what we saw today. Now, the big story, of course, at the start of the game, aside from Pat Firemuth not being available at tight end, was the fact that a quarterback change had officially been made. Now, I thought that Sean Clifford was going to get the start. I thought it was going to be very difficult for James Franklin to make that change. And lo and behold, uh, hours after I appeared on the Locked On Big Ten pregame show that they did on Restream and all the different various streaming platforms, uh, and saying that Sean Clifford was going to be the starting quarterback, or I expected Sean Clifford to be the starting quarterback, here comes Will Levis. He's warming up with the first team uh, center and, of course, gets the start at the game, uh, start out of the game for Penn State. And, you know, after a shaky first drive, they go and score a touchdown uh, early in the first quarter. They get that 7-3 to lead. And then Will Levis uh, just, you know, he was as okay as anybody else has been. You know, there wasn't really anything that Will Levis did that Sean Clifford wasn't going to do. We'll get to Sean Clifford in just a second, though. So Will Levis got the start at quarterback for Penn State. And, I think any expectation that he was going to carry over the um, the jolt of energy that he brought to this offense uh, last week against Nebraska was probably a little misguided. That's why I was a little hesitant to jump on the idea that the while the, the backup quarterback is here to rescue the season, uh, we're not exactly talking about Nick Foles here uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. But I do think that what you saw against Nebraska was some sign of encouragement that Maybe Sean Clifford just needed a break. Maybe you need to go with somebody else and see if you get some better results because obviously we're not getting any positive results with Sean Clifford. And this is not a knock on Sean Clifford. Okay, I'm making that perfectly clear. I'm not here to rip college football players and I will never do that. However, I do think that it was it was at a point last week where James Franklin needed to try something different with that quarterback position. So going to Will Levis as your backup, certainly against Nebraska, uh, it worked out. Now, obviously, it didn't work out completely because they still lost the game, but it kind of fueled the idea that maybe Will Levis should get a start and just to see if anything different happens. And it, it didn't because, once again, this is not a first-half team for whatever reason. Uh, so Will Levis was not the answer that a lot of people, I think, were hoping that he would be. So, so that raises the question. It's like, what is the caliber of the quarterback position at Penn State? And uh, the evidence would suggest it's not all that great. And, and Sean Clifford has had some good moments going back to last season, of course. And uh, obviously, in the, even in today's game, he, he did some good things. Now, obviously, he's got a stronger arm than Will Levis. And that really came into play uh, when Sean Clifford comes in to replace Will Levis. Uh, he goes in and he obviously has the short touchdown pass on his first snap. But the, the deep ball to Jahan Dotson in, the, what was it, the third quarter? Right at the end of the third quarter. 
uh, deep ball to Jahan Dotson, who's streaking down and gets in behind his defenders and uh, results in a 60-something yard touchdown. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Sean Clifford looks like he's coming in. He's going to be the one that brings Penn State back or at least has a chance to uh, make something interesting happen. It doesn't quite fall out that way because Iowa puts up 10 more points in the fourth quarter, including the pick six uh, to a defensive tackle uh, off the arm of Sean Clifford, which really was the, uh, the the final nail in the coffin, I guess, for Penn State. Uh, time was already running out, and they had already punted on third down with just over three minutes to play, down 13 points. Inexcusable, as far as I'm concerned. I, I think you have to go for that. Uh, that's another issue that I think James Franklin has battled over the years at Penn State. Uh, so this is just something that this was just one of those losses where everything that has gone wrong for Penn State once again went wrong. You had turnovers. You had points off of turnovers by the opposing team, which has been a killer for them all season long. You've had some bad penalties. You've had the uh, you gave up way too many points in the red zone. First of all, Iowa before their field goal in the third. I'm um, sorry, the fourth quarter. Inside the red zone, they were four for four with four touchdowns. Um, <laughs> you're not going to win a lot of games that way. And this is this is why the, the defense, well, there were times in the second half when they did come up big. You just can't rely on this Penn State defense. And, and that's unfortunate because even though you don't have Michael Parsons, there was still a lot of reason to be excited about what this Penn State defense, I think, was going to be able to do this year. And I don't know what the, the issue is. I, I don't know if the, I'm not saying that anybody has given up. On this team, a lot of fans on Twitter seem to feel as though Penn State has given up on the season. I, I can't say that. I, I really can't sit here and honestly say that I think that Penn State has given up on the season. It's so easy to say that when they are 0 5 and they lose by 20 at home uh, for the second time in three games <laughs> against a team that you feel like they should beat. Uh, but I do feel like you do see some fight from this team after halftime. The problem is you have to play the first half to get there. So that's the big takeaway I have. Comment from Uncharted Scotty in the chat says, this is definitely turning out to be one crazy year for sure. There's no question that this is a crazy year. And it's not just for Penn State. We're seeing lots of things around the country. Now, you still have the typical uh, contenders doing their thing. Ohio State uh, held off Indiana earlier today, by the way. Uh, but Ohio State still looks like they're in a really good spot. Indiana's just a really good team. They're just not Ohio State really good. <laughs> so it, that was a pretty fun game to watch. That was very entertaining leading up to uh, the Penn State game. Saturday afternoon. So uh, we just saw Northwestern take care of Wisconsin, a big development in that Big Ten West division now. Uh, you know, certainly you know, Iowa fans are keeping an eye on that, but uh, I think uh, Northwestern has really asserted itself as the team to beat in the Pac 12. They've got wins against Purdue, they've got wins against um, uh, Wisconsin. So Northwestern's sitting in a really good spot. Uh, did Northwestern play Iowa already? I think that they did, but I could be mistaken as I'm doing this live. But you know, Northwestern's in a really good spot in that Big Ten West division. Uh, you could get a Northwestern Ohio State matchup in the Big Ten championship game this year. That's what it's looking like right now. Uh, and then, of course, uh, around the country, Notre Dame is off to a really good start. They've beaten uh, Clemson already. So this is a crazy year. And, of course, we see all the cancellations, all the postponements. Uh, Penn State has been fortunate, I suppose, in not having to deal with any of those cancellations or postponements, at least at this point in time. Not to say that uh, in the final few games that they still have scheduled, that that won't pop up at some point, whether it's from Penn State or from a Penn State opponent. Uh, but that's just the reality of the season. It seems like that is something that's becoming more and more of an issue over the last couple of weeks for sure. Uh, so I would not be surprised if it wrecks a little bit more havoc on the Big Ten schedule moving forward. But yeah, this is a, I want to say that it's kind of like a mulligan year. And I don't like to give anybody really a pass for having a really bad season, uh, especially a team like Penn State who came into the year 
uh, expected to be a team that was going to contend for a spot in the New Year's Six Bowl game, potentially you know, be the biggest challenger to Ohio State's thrown in the Big Ten, maybe even make a case for a spot in the college football playoff with all said and done. Uh, but, you know, I did these podcasts before the season started. I did one episode for Best Case Scenario, which had Penn State getting to the college football playoff national championship and I think losing to Clemson. Uh, and then the worst case scenario I had uh, hasn't gone anywhere close to what we're seeing right now. So I, I do believe that you can give a little bit of leniency for any down seasons that any team around the country has this year. But how much leniency do you give a program that is where Penn State was, and now they're 0-5. That's the big question. And I know you know fans instantly reacting on Twitter are going to go to very uh, opposite extremes sometimes. When things are good, you know, things are you know fantastic. There's nothing stopping their team from winning it all this year. This is going to be their year. Why not? Why, why, why are people disrespecting them? But when things are going as poorly as they are for Penn State right now, it's a much different situation. People are saying, fire James Franklin, get rid of this whole coaching staff, You know, move on from this entire roster. It doesn't work that way. And I will say this again. I will be here to criticize James Franklin. I'm going to criticize him for that punt decision late in the fourth quarter. I, I don't know what he said in the postgame uh, press conference because we're doing this live stream as he's uh, speaking to the media right now. So I'm sure we'll keep an eye on that. We'll react to it a little bit more uh, during the week when we do our podcast. But what is he thinking there? And it's not the first time he's made a questionable decision like that. Yeah, they had three timeouts. There's a little bit more in three minutes, like just under three and a half minutes to play. You're down by 13. You have got your three timeouts. You can't play a field position game. You know, the way things were going, first of all, you already saw Sean Clifford was able to deliver a deep ball to Jahan Dotson in one play for a 60-something yard touchdown. Why would you punt in that situation? It just boggles my mind. And I know that James Franklin gets criticized a lot, a lot for some of his in-game decision-making. And I think in many times it is very fair to do so because it is a little puzzling, some of the decisions that he makes sometimes. The holiday season is really going to get started this weekend with Thanksgiving coming up. And I get it. You may eat a little bit more than you're accustomed to. But if you're looking to stay in shape and stay to some sort of a diet and keep some sorts of normalcy with keeping yourself full and energized moving forward throughout whatever it is you're doing during the rest of the days, check out Built Bars. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a chocolate bar. So it's like you're having a nice, delicious snack that you probably shouldn't be having, but it's actually helping you feel full and helping you feel good about what you're putting in your body as you continue to try and lose or maintain weight. Or if you're trying to work something into your routine and you're looking for the perfect protein bar, you have to look no further than the Built Bar. And they've got some great flavors just now for the fall season, including Apple Almond Crisp, carrot cake. I know those are a couple of flavors that I think are identifiable with the fall season that we are in right now. But they also have 12 original flavors, including peanut butter brownie, coconut, toffee almond, mint brownie, so many to choose from. 12 original flavors, six newer flavors that they have, and they are a great part of any diet for anybody who's trying to lose or maintain weight. And right now, you can get a free cooler with your purchase. While supplies last, they will throw in a free cooler anytime you make a purchase from BuiltBar.com. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Once again, use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. But we also need to keep in mind that there's a lot of stuff going on with this season right now. Okay, this Penn State team was probably not going to convert on a fourth and long, but still, you got to take a chance, right? And nothing signals that You've given up on a game. You're throwing a white flag and then punting late in the game when you're down two scores. 
I'm sorry. I, it doesn't matter what the analytics may say <laughs> because Penn State did get the ball back, but they gave up a couple first downs before they were able to get it back. And then, of course, it leads to the, the pick six by Iowa. So I, I don't know what to say about the decision to punt. I think it was a bad decision. I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, was it a bad decision to not start Sean Clifford in this game? I don't even know if I can say that because we've seen Sean Clifford, including in this game, he's given up uh, the ball uh, in some pretty critical points and it has led to points, sometimes even directly. And this was one of those games. I think it's happened three straight weeks now against Maryland, Nebraska, and Iowa where Sean Clifford either fumbles or is intercepted and it is returned immediately by the defense for a touchdown. So obviously, again, I'm not picking on Sean Clifford. I, I have a lot of respect for Sean Clifford. I think what you saw today in that game obviously the first half he's sitting there on the sideline he's still a team captain he's doing what a team captain needs to be doing he's staying involved in the game he's helping out the players around him including will levis he's taking you saw them they even made a note of this on the big 10 network's coverage you know sean clifford is on the sideline he's taking notes he's sharing those notes with will levis on the sideline when he comes off after the offensive series so i think sean clifford deserves a lot of respect you know it would be nice if the caliber of play was living up to some of the, the potential that I do think that he has. Uh, but some for some reason, whatever the case may be, it has not translated to uh, very much success on the field this year, which is surprising to me because I do think that, well, I don't think that Sean Clifford is Trace McSorley. I certainly don't think he's among the best quarterbacks in the country. He's better than what we're seeing this year. At least I think he is. So I'm wondering if maybe Sean Clifford is being hurt by the fact that we've got a new offensive coordinator, you've got um, you know you've got new assistant coaches all throughout the staff. You didn't necessarily have the the most smooth transition because of all the the weirdness of the offseason. But then I feel like I'm making excuses for Sean Clifford and Penn State, and I don't think we can do that anymore. You know, maybe at the first couple of games when things don't go quite right uh, for Penn State, I think you can make those cases. But we're five games in the season now. Penn State is still without a win. They're going to go into Thanksgiving without a win. Even in a short season with a delayed start to the year, I never thought that that would be a realistic possibility. But here we are. And now Penn State has to go on the road against Michigan. We'll see what Michigan does against Rutgers. Again, at the time of this live stream, we have not seen that game yet. So we'll see what happens. But that's not a great situation for Penn State to be walking into next week in Ann Arbor, uh, in Michigan Stadium, a place that traditionally has been a house of horrors for Penn State. I don't see any reason why that's going to stop next week. Well, plenty of time to dive into that game. If you have any other reactions to what you saw in Saturday's game between Penn State and Iowa, let me know. I will throw out a couple notes real quick. Uh, first of all, congratulations to Kirk Ferentz, Iowa head coach, for getting his 100th Big Ten win, I believe, as a head coach. So that that's a pretty good milestone. Uh, so... You know, say what you will about Kirk Ferentz in Iowa, but uh, getting 100 wins uh, proves that you've had a good amount of sustained success. And uh, he's been at Iowa for quite some time now. And there was a time when he had Penn State's number. Uh, that hasn't necessarily been the case over recent years, but he certainly had it today. So congratulations to him. Uh, just looking over the box score of the stats here. Uh, so we saw uh, Penn State put up 342 yards uh, of total offense. 280 of those came through the pass. Here's my concern about the running game. Okay, we know no Journey Brown, no Noah Kane. We get that. Devin Ford actually left the game as well, so I don't know exactly what his status is as of right now, uh, but something to keep an eye on. Take a look at Penn State's rushing totals. Okay, so like I said, they had 62 yards rushing as a team. Now I get Iowa's a really good uh, team that defends the run, but 62 rushing yards, and here's the breakdown of that. Okay, Will Levis was your leading rusher with 34 yards. Who was second leading rusher? 
Sean Clifford with 13 yards. Okay. You cannot have any game where your two quarterbacks are your leading rushers. That is an issue. Okay. So something needs to be figured out there with this running game. I do think there's some potential here. But uh, Kazai Holmes, six carries, eight yards. Kevon Lee, four carries, six yards. Also had the touchdown. Uh, I do think we're going to, if, if Devin Ford's not going to be available, uh, this is going to be Kevon Lee's job, I think, moving forward. Uh, I think he's got the most physical upside potential, and he's going to be the guy that I think a lot of people are excited to watch develop and grow. Uh, I think he's putting put into a bad spot, though, because this offensive line is not very good, and I think that those numbers really show it. Uh, would this be different if Journey Brown and Noah Kane were the running backs? Maybe it would. I don't know. But I do know that the offensive line right now is not creating opportunities to run the football very well. That was one of the biggest issues that Penn State had against Iowa. Iowa's defensive line just manhandled Penn State's offensive line. And it worked the opposite way, too. Iowa's offensive line just continued to get push after push on this Penn State defensive line. And the offensive line and defensive line for Penn State were supposed to be two of their biggest consistent strengths I think they had coming into the season. Uh, so that is very disappointing, especially when they come up so short the way they did against Iowa today. Uh, they, they were just dominated all across the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. And that is very alarming because obviously you've got a new offensive line coach. You figure that the defensive line has had some talent there over the years. And there's reason to believe that that was going to be one of your strengths on the defense. It has not been the case this year. And, or maybe it has, and that's a problem because it hasn't been very good either. So that is a, a big explainer for why Penn State is in the position they are. If you don't have an offensive line, it doesn't matter what your quarterback or how talented your quarterback is and how many good running backs you have. If there is not an opportunity for protection for your quarterback or an opportunity to run the football, you're not going to do anything offensively. And for me, I think the, the offensive issues start on that offensive line. So Phil Troutman, a brand new offensive line coach, came down from Boston College this year. I think he has some explaining to do. I, and I'm not saying I blame the assistant coach, but I think it's time, if it hasn't been already, to start examining what's going on with this offensive line. Because it hasn't necessarily been banged up the way that some other positions have. But I do think that if you don't have that offensive line in check, then you're not going to be able to do anything offensively for the rest of the year. And these are games against Michigan, Michigan State, Rutgers, that are still remaining on the schedule. There's not one of those games. <laughs> That should be considered an automatic win for Penn State because you cannot guarantee anything right now the way that this team's playing. So if the offense is going to take form, it's got to start with that offensive line. Give Sean Clifford some reason to not feel so much pressure as soon as he gets the ball in his hands. And give this running game some opportunity to do something. I, I think there's still a chance that they can fix that, or at least to some degree. Uh, but I do think there's a lot of work that's going to have to be put in for that. All right, so let's talk about that defense real quick. That defense is atrocious. <laughs> Matt Millen said during the broadcast, and I don't know if I could agree with him anymore. It, now, I haven't been watching Penn State as long as Matt Millen has. I certainly haven't played for Penn State, so I don't have the, the same experience uh, with Penn State football as Matt Millen does. However, I've been watching Penn State for a while now, and I can agree with everything that Matt Millen said at some point. I don't remember if it was the third quarter or the fourth quarter, but he says, to, uh, he says on the broadcast, he's been watching Penn State since the 60s, so he's seen a lot of Penn State football, and he cannot remember a Penn State team that tackles as poorly as this Penn State team does. And I threw my hands up in the air, and I said, that's what I've been saying for quite some time. And I'm very shocked because I thought this season that the defense was still going to be okay. Even after Micah Parsons opted out, I figured, okay, 
They lose their best defensive player. I get it, but there's still some good talent here. This is, can still be a feisty defense that's really going to make things difficult to run the football on and create some opportunities for uh, quarterback pressures. That has not been the case at all this year. So I've been very disappointed from this defense, and it really does start from a fundamental aspect. So I'm kind of curious. You know, does the fact that you didn't have the opportunities for as much tackling in the offseason, does that come into play here? I'm going to say no, because we are five games into the season, and there are certainly some plenty of examples, I should say, of other teams out around the country who have been having no problem tackling, making contact, and fulfilling and following through on their defensive efforts. You haven't seen that from Penn State. That's been one of the most disappointing things, and uncharacteristically, uh, uncharacteristic, I should say, of Penn State defense. It doesn't matter, even if they don't have the best talented players, Penn State traditionally has guys that know how to tackle, right? And that has not been the case this year. Uncharted Scotty checking in. I don't know, Michigan be looking really suspect, uh, especially since they still got Ohio State. Maybe able to sneak a win on them. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. I know we're going to have plenty of time to talk about the Penn State-Michigan game uh, throughout the course of the week, but I, I look at Michigan and I see many similar issues that Penn State is having. Obviously, Michigan has one win. It was their opener against Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota may not be that great this year either. But either way, you know, Michigan has not looked particularly good. And they thought they had the quarterback situation fixed uh, after that week one win against Minnesota. I say week one because week one of the Big Ten schedule. It was actually week like seven or eight, I think, of the college football season. Uh, but regardless, it, Michigan thought they had the quarterback situation and everything was going to be gravy the rest of the way uh, and looking like a legitimate contender to Ohio State. And then they get smacked around by Michigan State. They, they, they lose um, they, they lose to – who did they just lose to? <laughs> they lost to Indiana. <laughs> and, of course, we'll see what happens against Rutgers. So this has not been uh, – I'm sorry, Wisconsin also beat them too. So Michigan is in a similar situation as Penn State. And, of course, anything that is said negatively about James Franklin, you seem to hear it a little bit uh, on the same level, if not more, with Jim Harbaugh. It's always very similar to me, how Michigan fans poke fun at James Franklin and Penn State. Penn State fans poke fun at Jim Harbaugh and Michigan. They're like mirror images of each other in so many regards. Now, obviously, James Franklin has a little bit more higher profile with a a Big Ten championship under his belt, and a couple of wins in New Year's Six Bowl games, while Michigan has none of that. So that's a big difference maker. That's why James Franklin's a little bit uh, further along, I think, than Jim Harbaugh as far as Big Ten is con Big Ten competition is concerned. But you look at all their deficiencies, and they're basically the same thing. Losing big games, losing to your rivals, losing uh, in big spots. That has been a recurring theme and a running theme, I should say, for Jim Harbaugh and to a certain degree, James Franklin as well. And I think it's it's always fun. Uh, you know, that's why I think it's always funny when you see fans from one of those schools poke fun at the other coach and the other school. It, it goes back and forth. And really, I'm just looking at myself and I'm thinking, you guys are saying the same things. It's like the pot cuddling the kettle black to almost a certain degree. So that's why this is going to be a very big week once again for Penn State. Can they put anything together? Can they get any momentum to start a football game? I don't think it's going to be very easy. And I think if uh, these past five games have been any indication, you shouldn't have any reason to trust that they will uh, be solid at the first half of the game uh, because there's really no evidence to suggest they're able to do that. I I'll happily be wrong. I'll be more than happy to sit here next week and say they finally did it. They finally put some drives together in the first half. They scored more than seven points. Again, they've been outscored in the first half of games this year, 117 to 33. You think that's going to be fixed just because they were hitting on the road to play Michigan, a team that's also having some struggles? I got news for you. 
Penn State went on the road last week against Nebraska, played a team that was having a lot of struggles, and they got walloped in the first half, right? Now, they came back in the second half, but so that's what you can hope for. But there's no indication that this Penn State team is capable of putting together a solid first half. Maybe it is possible, but we haven't seen the evidence to suggest that it is a realistic possibility or a realistic expectation going into next weekend's game. Let's take a look at a couple other things on the box score, okay? Uh, I've talked about penalties before. Penn State didn't have as many killer penalties in this game. I'm actually trying to find the stat as I'm doing this, and I'm not seeing it in front of me, so uh, maybe I'm looking at the wrong thing. But here's the uh, let me go back to uh, turnovers, protecting the football. Penn State had three fumbles. They lost two. Uh, of course, uh, there was the interception by Sean Clifford. He actually had uh, two interceptions. Uh, so uh, this is a another game where you just you can't make mistakes because good teams are going to capitalize on those mistakes uh so iowa had 27 points off of four penn state turnovers okay that is a huge key to the game when you're playing penn state get those turnovers capitalize on those points 27 points off of four turnovers i didn't even realize it was that bad until i just looked at it right now penn state had six points off of one iowa turnover they actually missed a field goal or i'm sorry an extra point uh following that uh turnover so there there you go four turnovers to one 27 points allowed that's why i've always said you can get away with a turnover if you have a defense that's going to make a stop for you and penn state doesn't have that right now (laughs) penn state just you cannot afford to make a mistake because this defense is going to get run over by a good team and maybe not even a good team. I will say Iowa is a good team. They are the kind of physical running team that is going to run right through you. If you are suspect on your defensive line and on your edges, uh, they don't care. They will take advantage of that and they will happily do so. And even if it means that they're going to have to win an ugly game, they didn't necessarily have to win an ugly game because they look pretty good this day. So Iowa looks like the team that I think they, I expected them to be this year. But at the beginning of the season, I didn't think that Iowa was going to get out of Happy Valley with a win. But I changed my tune on that as the season has been progressing. My my outlook for Penn State gets dimmer and dimmer by the, the week. And I don't think there's any reason why it shouldn't be. But we'll be here again. We'll do this all again next week, of course, after Penn State's next game against the Michigan Wolverines. I don't have the game time in front of me. I don't know if it's been officially confirmed. But, of course, we'll get into all that as the week unfolds. I, I'm going to wrap this up right here. So thank you so much for tuning into this live stream. Again, the audio for this will be posted on the podcast stream. So if you're a subscriber of the podcast on any of these platforms, I, I always I always forget which one, which side I need to look at. Uh, but if you're a subscriber on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, Overcast, Amazon Music, uh, what am I missing? Whatever it is you listen use to listen to the podcast, make sure you're subscribed and you can check us out. Uh, we put out at least five episodes a week. And, of course, we'll throw in this uh, feed from the live stream as well. All right, that's going to do it for me. Uh, again, I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. You can also make sure you check out our podcast on all the social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and, of course, Twitch using the username LockedOnNittany. Uh, so we will be back on Monday. We'll have a little bit more time to react and let some of this development settle in and kind of take a fresh look at what happened between Penn State and Nebraska. I'm sorry, Penn State and Iowa. And then of course, we'll start to turn the page by taking a look at everything else that happened around the Big Ten. Pretty big weekend in the Big Ten and the rest of the world of college football. And then, of course, uh, we'll start looking forward to next week's game against the Michigan Wolverines. All right, that's going to do it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
And until next time, everybody, have a great rest of the weekend. Try to find some opportunities to relax and kind of just enjoy whatever weather you have while it's still there. And again, we'll be back doing this again next week, but I'll talk to you on the podcast on Monday. So thanks for watching, everybody. I'll talk to you later. Have a good night.